Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Plasek. And welcome to Generation BSC, uh, where we read and talk about every episode. Episode. <laughs> Clearly, I watch a lot of TV podcasts. Yes, this is an episode. It, it, it is an episode of a book podcast in which we read and talk about every book in the Babysitter's Club series. Yes. Um, acknowledging our unique lens as members of the Generation Zennials, Elder Millennials, um, I don't know, Generation Catalano, since we're right in... Ah, uh, yeah, so right in the middle of my so-called life rewatch. Um, but we think that we have a pretty unique perspective on the world, and we're bringing it to the BSC. Exactly. People of our micro-generation were the ones that were reading Babysitter's Club growing up, and we're now of the age that we are in our, you know, mid-30s, whatever. Um and you know, approaching it from that perspective is sort of where we're coming from, and which is exciting, especially since um, we haven't really talked too much about it on the podcast. But Babysitters Club is having a comeback. Um, Accurate. So we've been posting some things as that as news has been coming out. But um, in the last about two years, we've seen a really like resurgence of interest in the BSC, yeah. which we're very excited about. Yes. So, well, for example, so we're recording this, what, it's the 17th of October? Yes. So I'm not sure that, I, actually, I am sure that my husband and I are not alone in doing this, but every October we rewatch all of the Halloween episodes of all of our favorite shows, which always starts with Epidemiology from Community, which is yep. the zombie episode, which is one of the best episodes generally, and just one of the it's my favorite Halloween episode of it's anything. So funny. And then we move on to the Halloween Heist from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Obviously. So question, do you now watch the Cinco de Mayo Heist? Yes. As part of it. See, I do too. It, it still counts. I thought so too. It and was a, a rescheduling of Halloween on Cinco de Mayo as a, a well, no spoilers. Yes. Since it was literally just last season. But so we were we are past all of our Brooklyn Nine Nine rewatches. Um Heist number four um, Amy chooses Rosa to be on her team and she hum- has a whole binder with a plan and she uses the Babysitter's Club yep. as like everybody's code name is Babysitter's Club. I can't remember whose is whose, like which na- which which babysitter correlates to which member of the right. squad. But she gives her some reading material. Amy gives Rosa <laughs> some reading material, one of which is an excerpt from The Truth About Stacey, which yes. we had literally just recorded when my husband and I... I Okay, I'm just going to say his name's Jeff. Jeff it, yeah. it feels weird because, hey guys, my husband's name is Jeff. When I say <laughs> Jeff, that's who I'm talking about. So Jeff and I watched that like literally the day after you and I recorded the that truth about Stacey. And I was funny. like, oh my God, I never even realized. Like I knew there were Babysitter's Club references, but I was like, yeah. it's, it's it's the right one here. that we just talked about. That this is, is insane. <laughs> so I, I had to throw that out there. But yeah, Babysitter's Club just generally is like, it's all over. Not, and it's not just like the Netflix show, which apparently they're almost done filming. Which is awesome. Is and insane. let's talk about Alicia Silverstone as Edie. Perfect. Uh, amazing casting. But yeah, you're right. It's not just the Netflix show. So they're um, re-releasing uh, the books as graphic novels, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Uh, I've been collecting those, so we're eventually going to take a look and talk about those. Right. And then Audible has yes. like the first 100 or 186 or some some like insane number of books. Audio recordings of each of the books and Elle Fanning did like the first five or yeah. ten and we were talking about how it would make more sense to have like Elle Fanning play Christy or Marianne and have a different girl play Stacy, but she's just doing the first whatever so they didn't do perfect job but we'll allow it <laughs> yes so um Honestly, and I know no one will believe me, but we had this idea to start this before all of that started happening. So it just felt like very appropriate that um, that people of our generation are now the ones making entertainment exactly. decisions and bringing it back. And we're like, wow, that makes absolute sense. Because sense. if obviously we're not the only ones super excited to to revisit these, I, I think it's a pretty normal thing. Um, ironically enough, I've been um, training um, a multi generational cooperation class this week and talking a lot about the different generations and how they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, our little mini generation has reached a point where um, we are now starting to look back in the way right. that like our parents did um, to the things that lo- we loved in our youth and, and bring those back around. So yes. we're here to be a part, we are fully bandwagoning on that. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm, I would say we put the energy out into the universe okay, sure. and now sure, it's sure. coming back to us. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean... The nice thing is we sort of had the idea and we're already ready to get started and we happen to be ready to launch right at the time when like 
this whole like nexus of babysitters club in the world is coming back around. So happy coincidence yes. for us. We're Which very happy. Just I mean, means there's lots more stuff that we can talk about as as it continues exactly. to come up. So okay, with that being said, let's focus on our episode today. Which is Marianne Saves the Day. Woo woo. That was released in February nineteen eighty seven. Um also actually written by Anne M. Martin, as we now know for the first thirty some books. Correct. Um so let's dive right into the back of the book. <laughs> Mary Ann has never been a leader of the Babysitter's Club. She left that up to Christy, or Claudia, or Stacy. But now that there's a big fight among the four friends, and Mary Ann doesn't have them to depend on anymore. It's bad enough when she's left alone at the lunch table at school. <laughs> but when she has to babysit a sick kid without any help from her friends, Mary Ann knows that it's time to take charge. The Babysitter's Club is going to fall apart unless somebody does something fast. Maybe it's time for Marianne to step in and save the day. Honestly, I think that is the closest. That's definitely the closest. The most accurate, accurate, non-sensationalized version. I feel like, though, it's because, and obviously I'll get to my fuller, fuller, more full description, but I think my thinking on why the back of the book actually is a little bit more accurate this time is because the Marianne-specific story is not really separate. Yes. You know, like with the other three, it's like there's the Babysitter's Club story and then there's the other. It's very much an A plot and a B plot. Right. And here, Marianne is obviously the A plot or the the character-specific story, but it fits so well within the overarching Babysitter's Club general story that it... There's not really a way to only talk about one or the other on this book on the back. That makes total sense. But it definitely is the most accurate. Yeah. <laughs> like, mostly what struck me is it's the least hyperbolic. Right. <laughs> and right. focusing it's not on like the things the... that were really important instead of random detail. Right. Um, so, in any case, uh, with that being said, that's a great launching point. Why don't you tell us what actually did happen yes. in the book? Okay. So, for this one, the Babysitter's Club general story is essentially that this book starts with a huge fight where all of the girls, and not not just like one or two, like all of them say very hurtful things to each other. Yeah. And like legit hurtful. Some yeah. of it I was reading and I was like, ooh. Yeah. We'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, they spend most of the book, almost the entire book, at odds with each other. The meetings are essentially all but canceled where each individual babysitter is having, basically holding their old meeting at Claudia's room, which like, can lead to some awkward. awkward stuff, where if they take all of the jobs that they can and to the extent that they can't, they call the other girls and see who else can take them. So eventually the, the whole fight comes to a head at Jamie Newton's fourth birthday party where the core four are helping Mrs. Newton and still fighting with each other, and Marianne event at the end calls an emergency meeting immediately following the party to fix things. So by the end of the book, as always, they reset, they're all back to being friends, and they have a new member of the BSC. Yay! So that sort of leads into the Marianne-specific part of the story, is after the fight that they have, she finds herself sitting alone at a lunch table. She ends up making a new friend, Dawn Schaefer, who is a new student in Stony Brook. Um, she moved there after her parents just got divorced. Her mom grew up in Stony Brook, and we'll get to a sort of twist with her later. Um, but so Marianne and Dawn become fast friends, partially because Marianne decides to use Dawn to make Christy jealous. So Marianne eventually starts to stand up to her dad about the decoration of her room, the hours she can babysit, and all of his strict rules about her clothes and hair. And also during a babysitting job, Marianne discovers that Jenny Prezioso the girl that you mentioned in your back of the book description, she comes, she's very sick and she has a 104 degree fever. She runs through all of the emergency numbers that the parents left, including calling her dad and has no luck getting anyone. And she eventually calls Dawn to see if Dawn can come over and help. They decide to call 911 for advice and 911 sends an an ambulance to take them to the emergency room since that temperature is extremely high. Um, after that, Marianne's dad comes to see that she's more mature than he thought, and he gives her some freedoms. Also, Marianne and Dawn discover that their parents were high school sweethearts. <gasps> whoa, whoa, whoa. So that's, what? that's the big, I guess that's the big twist. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not really a twist so much because it happens pretty early on, but it is a big point of discussion for them, as it absolutely oh, would yeah. be if I were 12 years old and... I'm just shocked that they were able to discover that that was the case so quickly. Like, Dawn's basically like, oh, yeah, my mom's from Stony Brook. And, and, Don, and Marianne's like, yeah, my dad's here, too. Maybe they knew each other. Like, how do I you know. make that leap? <laughs> I think I would. Really? I, because I was very, um, well, for example, I found, it actually wasn't me. I don't remember. I was just thinking about this the other day. I don't remember how we found it. But I think somebody was reupholstering a chair. I think my grandpa was reupholstering mm-hmm. a chair and found an old class ring. Um, from um, some college, 
and it had initials that matched my neighbor, and it just so happened that my neighbor went to that college, and I was convinced. <laughs> I had found her. Um, right. It well, somehow ended up inside so, this chair in your grandparents' house. Yes. I um, completely, in my excitement for it to be, you know, some magical thing like this, uh, overlooked the fact that it was from a different year, and more importantly, the initials were from her married name, not from uh. her... Um, well, you know. Yeah, maiden name, so. I was pretty impressed that Dawn, w- like, remembered, like, to say her mom's maiden name. Yes. And, like, the initials matched her maiden name. And they weren't, I mean, obviously, the whole twist was that they did know each other and they were high school sweethearts. But, yeah. so it was going to work out. But, like, they were they were smart about figuring it out. But I still was reading the book. And I'm I'm not sure what I thought when I was a kid reading it. Because yeah. I probably sort of glossed over the parent stuff. Yeah. But just here I was just sort of, like... Really? You you got there after like five minutes? <laughs> yeah, I did feel like it. that was a little easy. But I did – I was obsessed with looking through my parents' mm-hmm. um, yearbooks. Oh, I did yeah. that a lot. And like – especially because my parents were high school sweethearts and um, – um, they most of their friends they knew from high school and college oh, as so well. You, everyone that you knew as adults, they were all in all those pictures. So I got to go back and see. Like that was I was obsessed with a kid. Mm-hmm. I still love going back and seeing pictures of my parents oh, as yeah. like in their twenties and thirties when they were my contemporaries. To, right. Like even as an adult, it's easy to forget your parents were real people right. and have like real lives and yeah experiences. Well, and even like thinking back to them, so like. For example, with our My So-Called Life rewatch that we're doing while we listen to the Boiler Room podcast, um, you know, looking back at that, like, the characters' parents, like Patty and Graham, are essentially, like, our age now. Which is horrifying. When, yeah. That, that notwithstanding. Yeah. Just the fact that, like, I can remember, like, being the age I was when My So-Called Life was on. I was a little bit younger than Angela. But, like, my parents were about the same age as Patty and, and Graham. And, like, I remember being... My parents, like, I can think now, being my parents' age, like, what they must have been dealing with, with me as their right. kid. You know, like, it's it's so just, like, trippy to be, like, my parents were, you know, late 30s, and they had a kid that was 12, and now, like, watching my so-called life, I, like, I identify more with, like, Patty and Graham oh, yeah. than it's, I do with Angela, even it though it's, like, my favorite show of all time. It's just, like, it's so weird how... As you, I mean, and this is what this whole podcast is about, about, which yeah. is so like lame for me to not be like, it's so weird, but like, it's just weird when you grow up and you look at things from your childhood and you're able to see them in a different light. Yes. <laughs> like, the fact it's, that I just said that like is making me like gross out I because that's what you, this is about. She is not stone. That was very much, <laughs> that was like very much a rambling, like high thought, like, isn't it wild? <laughs> like, what if what I think is blue, you don't think is blue? Oh, my God. Oh my God. I going- just had the same, like, embarrassment feeling as – and you weren't there when I did it. But when I had my, my timeline wonkiness thing last oh, yeah. week, when I was actually doing that and I was like, oh, God, what did I just do? I'm such an idiot. Um, I was this just- is not quite that embarrassing since that is what this is. Right. But the fact that I said it again is a little bit weird. We're just random. very excited and very earnest. So, so excited. Um, but th- so two things that you made me think of. So I actually went um, to dinner in a concert with uh, one of our good friends from college last night. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were catching up and and um, talking about things. And I had a moment too because my mom um, always calls her best friend, one of her best girlfriends, by her maiden name. So right. I've known this woman's maiden name my whole life. And we always used to tease her. Like, that was, I was like, that's not her name. Why, who knows their mom's friend's maiden name? Yeah. And now, as an adult, like, so I was with my now married friend. I'm sitting across from my now married best friend. And I still have to be like, nope, wrong last name. Right. Get it right. I was like, oh, I, I felt so bad. I was like, I need to call my mom and apologize for making fun of her. <laughs> now I understand. Because I fully get it. Right. Um, like, when I'm in, in the car to get Siri, I'll be like, text Kate. And McManus, and I'm like, that's not her name. <laughs> um, it's all good. In my phone, almost all of my friends that have gotten married and changed their names are still their old last name. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. Even crazier that I noticed, what I was thinking about last night, is uh, how much we used to mock my dad for, like, only wanting to listen to oldies in the car. And I remember thinking, oh, I- I'm never going to be unhip. <laughs> I'm going to stay up to date with, like, current music. And I still, marginally, yeah. I know what's, what's what. There's some of these young whippersnappers oh yeah but for the most part i'm pretty up to it and yet more and more often in the car i find my um dial stays tuned to 90s on nine yep which is exactly 
what the seventies were to my dad when we were little. Exactly. So uh, again, I owe parent I apologies to both parents. Yeah. Um, sorry, you weren't nearly as lame as I thought you were, <laughs> or probably more accurately, I am now just as lame as you once were. So, uh, I you you're equally not lame, lame. but <laughs> younger people will think you're lame. I that just like triggered a memory in me this past weekend. I was just suddenly like, I don't know what TikTok is. I just don't. And I like, just, it's Vine. I, well, yeah, I was like, it's Vine, but Vine like went under, so I don't understand why they needed a new Vine. Like, why didn't they just keep Vine? But I'm, I was, and I told Jeff that, and he was like, congratulations, you're now the age where you just stopped learning about new things. And I was like, I guess maybe that's just not like a thing for me because like I'm still generally like up on social yeah. media trends and God, like I'm aware so of it, even yeah. if I don't fully but engage. You, but with but it. TikTok, I'm just like, I see the videos and I'm like, I I don't get it. I feel so lame for saying that. And it's probably just because I can't be bothered to, like, Google it. But it makes me feel old. Yes. <laughs> especially because we are, like, especially... We're, we're having a bit of a moment, clearly, because we are going to see um, Jalen Silent Bob reboot tonight. And we're yes. super excited. Well, we're seeing Jalen Silent Bob strike back. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the we're doing the double feature. But... Um, we, Which also, to make me feel old, I'm like, oh, God, that movie is going to get out at, like... Yes, midnight. that's exactly what I was saying. It thinking. might not even be midnight because it's like seven. Yeah, it might be close to midnight, but yeah. I'm like, it's Thursday. That's I know. I don't know. Past my bedtime. I don't know how. Especially I'm because, do this. like I said, I went to a concert last right. night too. So I'm like, ooh, yeah. two nights in a row out. I at least fell asleep on the couch at eight thirty last night. <laughs> Which is why when you texted me from the concert, I just didn't respond because <laughs> I did not see it till this I morning. One hundred percent, kind of figured that was the I, case. It's not um, surprising. But I thought I did okay with uh, with how that all turned out. So Yeah. It is all um, good. I don't know why I'm being coy about what I went to see. I want to brag about it. I got to go see um, the incredible Tegan and Sarah uh, high school tour. Um, I don't so know jealous. how much longer that's going or what their dates are. I know nothing about it. But if you were hearing this in time to get tickets to go see it, go. Please do. It was um, really an incredible experience because I've seen them. With, they've been my favorite band since we were... 18, 19. It's been a while. And um, since the first episode of Grey's Anatomy, right. like <laughs> right. very, I, I remember very vividly hearing Where Did the Good Go? And like, oh, I was yeah. like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Done. It, done. Um, Give me all of the music that they have right now. But, um, so we've been to their shows lots and lots mm-hmm. of times, lots of times together. Yes. Um, and it's one of our favorite things to do. And this was totally different experience. It was, you know what it felt like? Speaking of um, throwbacks, it felt like a live episode of Unplugged. I felt like I was in the oh, audience. Because nice. it was just like, um, rugs and chairs and they would like read experts from yeah. their book talk about tell stories and then do acoustic versions of um, some of their new stuff some of their old stuff oh, oh my god they sat side by side at a piano and oh. did um, Call It Off which is my number one all time favorite song oh, and man. I literally Mary thought I was a crazy person because I lit- I just cried and like sobbed it yeah. was so Aww. emotional so um, anyway, maybe at this point we should talk about babysitters. Club. Maybe we could jump back into VSC. We were just saying this week we're going to stay on on topic. We're not going to ramble as long about other things. I mean, but we're not that far into the episode. Fair, but we have very little talked about the actual. Okay, book. so okay. Anyway, anyway, so Lauren, I think you maybe wanted to raise the fact that we have realized yes something about our great ideas for each of these books so far. <laughs> we have. So it turns out. And, gee, I don't know why we, this never occurred to us as a series of books aimed at children, um, <laughs> but there are some real prevalent themes that they hit over and over and over again. Um, so one of the things we noted when we were doing our prep for this is this was another example of them handling a potentially dicey situation absolutely perfectly. Right. Like, clearly designed for, like, if you are babysitting, model this behavior. Exactly. Not like how a real 12-year-old would react which is probably I would just be like sitting there crying Freak and like and speed dialing my mom until they finally picked up. Yeah. Um, so uh, we realized that certain themes are coming up over and over again. So we decided um, it, actually what we thought of it kind of like the Pajiba um, Ten Hall of Fame, right? Once yeah. you've once you've been on the Pajiba Ten three times in a row or three times. You you earn a permanent right. place exactly. So we are. It's not fair to the uh, the up and coming. Yes, 
ideas. Other, and I, I know it's wrong, but I say Pajiba. Yes. So it's it's not fair to the up and coming potential Pajiba Ten members. It's not fair to our great ideas, potential great ideas, to always be focusing on maturity. Exactly. Because that really is the one that we sort of have targeted and have talked about. And we're not thinking that that's not something we're going to talk about because oh, it, it really is something we're always going to be talking about. So, But we're going to consider it more of a Hall of Fame yeah, overarching the, theme. The Great Ideas Hall of Fame is like, we're going to remind you guys what they are and as we add to them, we will note that. Like, yes. there's, there's definitely some today that we think it's going to be Hall yeah. of Fame worthy. But, so. but this one, you know, maturity in particular, rather than us coming up with new ways to talk about that baby-ish as a great versus idea, mature, yeah. we are acknowledging for ourselves and for you that that's always, at least for the time being, that's pretty much always going to be something that the Baby Stars Club books are talking about. So great idea, Hall of Fame, maturity, babyish, growing up, yeah, all that, of that. The, those growing pains. Exactly. So instead... Um, Additionally, like I said, we're new with this too. We're figuring it out as we go along. So one of the things that we talked about, um, because as we have certainly noticed, and you probably have noticed as well, as we've called it out, um, a lot of times our great ideas tend to be pretty much in line or like one of us comes up with the broad version and one of us comes up with a specific version. Um, Again, these books are not terribly dense. So it's, I I got to a certain point when I started reading this one um, this week where I went, Oh God, am I going to be saying the same thing over and over again? What do we get ourselves into? <laughs> right. Um, so we decided instead to sort of focus on one major great idea um, that ties into all of the other ideas that we we're mm-hmm. thinking about. Um, so this week, our great idea is conflict as a catalyst. Um, the idea that conflict is um, not only um, helpful, but necessary for growth and change and um this book is a perfect example. The Marianne's been frustrated with all of these things since the start of the books, which is now timeline alert. <laughs> we are um, in the start of the new year. Um, so they are officially halfway through their um, – started the second semester of their um, seventh grade year. And so that whole year she's been railing against the start, – really starting to feel the effect of um, her father's strictness and mm-hmm. rules. Um but it took this uncomfortable situation to push her to um, actually speak up and do something about it. Um, and I think that's really powerful to know as a kid. Like, I think a lot of times we get so focused on avoiding conflict. We mm-hmm. think we the right thing, especially as girls, especially um, previously, and I hope this is changing, but we were taught to be nice and polite right. and that fights were bad and... Um, in, Try in all, and make sure that other people are comfortable. Exactly. Even if it's maybe to your detriment. And so we'll, we'll, we're going to get in here, like we said, to some of the really terrible things that they said to each other. But um, they were hurtful and obviously went too far. But all of them were kind of things that needed to be said mm-hmm. and issues that, that genuinely needed to be aired. Otherwise, they would fester. So um, I was really struck by that, that um, it is, again, modeling of good behavior to how to make up for a fight and Mm -hmm. how not to let it go on so long and how not to let it impact your relationship with other people. Yeah. Well, one thing I thought touching on making up about after the fight, I did think it was really interesting as this story progressed, Marianne had multiple different times when she thought, oh, I should make up or, oh, I should take this step. And sometimes she takes that step when, for example, with, with Claudia, she Mm -hmm. writes her a note. And then after the, the meeting, she like sort of waves as, Marianne leaves and looks up and Claudia's looking down and they sort of like wave at each other tentatively. Marianne runs back and gives Mimi the note that she wrote that's basically like, I'm sorry for what I said. Let's make up and be friends again. But then there's other times where she tries to talk to Christy and Christy slams the door in her face and she's like, what? Fine. Fuck you. You know? Like, yeah. And even when she writes the, the nice note to Claudia, it's after that's she my wrote favorite. like kind of asshole notes to Stacey. Like, they're I'm, fully passive-aggressive. Like, I'm sorry, you're such an asshole, basically. Yeah, I mean, she, I can't, I didn't quote, I didn't write down the quote, but like, Stacey's is basically like, I'm sorry that you said that I'm a baby. Do you feel, you? do you feel sorry that you said that? You should. Yes. And it's like, damn. Yeah. But like, I did, I did think that was interesting because, and then there's even a time later where she's like, oh, I'll try to apologize to Christy. But then she gets distracted because Dawn comes over and they start, you know, hanging out, looking at pictures and she just like completely forgets about it. Yeah. She, and then, 
you know, it, it's just interesting because it's not like she's like, I should fix this. And then she fixes it. Right. She, she goes through a lot of steps. And then, you know, even after she and Marianne are, or she and Claudia are friends again, Mimi calls her my Marianne and Claudia Ooh. freaks out. And I think that sort of ties in another way to our conflict yeah. is jealousy. Oh, yeah. That's a huge part of this, whether it's for that specific example, Claudia getting upset because Marianne's spending time with Mimi and Mimi is calling her my Marianne and that she was only says my thing. Claudia. And that is, oh, I, like I, that one in particular, I felt, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I get that. I, especially at that age, I still feel that way. Like there's still that small right. petty part of you that you don't like to admit. Like, um, like if you and Schneller would go out one night without me, it would, there would, I would be like, well, what? Right. Why, why didn't they, why didn't they invite me? me? Or oh, even if you have something going well, on, not, like yeah. I'm, oh, guilty I lived this across year. the country and I would still get jealous when the two of you would right. hang out without me. And I'm like, I literally live. Right. On it's the, like, there's no, no chance that I could be there. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's not I'm, that they don't want me there. It's just that I can't, can't be, be there. there. <laughs> but you can't help but feel that right. way, even though when you know it's irrational. Yeah. Well, and especially for Claudia, I mean, again, she's a 12 year old girl, but also she like comes home and Marianne's already at her house in the kitchen drinking tea with Mimi. And she overhears that through the door. Like that's yeah. even worse. And like you totally can understand. For Claudia, um, Mimi is her person, her, mm-hmm. the one person in her family that she feels really sees her yeah, gets and her. gets her. And when you were in a fight with all of your friends, when you were isolated from your whole friend group, you need those people more than ever. Mm-hmm. And then to feel like you are losing that person to one of the people that is causing you to feel that in the first, uh, like, I got that. Some of it, like, I was like, okay, Christy, get over yourself. Um, like, especially when she slammed the door in her face. Yeah. When when Marianne went and tried to apologize. Right. And Christy fully was like, not having it. Yeah. Um, Although, to also tie Christy into the jealousy thing, when the Marianne Dawn. starts making friends with Dawn, and especially when Christy overhears her, he overhears Marianne inviting Dawn to her house, and Christy's like, you only invite me to your house, you don't invite Stacey mm-hmm. or Claudia over. And then her reaction, Christy's reaction, is to say that she's now allowed to stay out later when she's babysitting like Stacey mm-hmm. and Claudia are, and sort of drive home that whole baby-ish thing. Yeah. It really is, um, it is really cool and interesting that they let Marianne be an asshole too. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't make her like, right. It's not all three ganging up on her. She fully was using Dawn. Um, they, she mentions a couple of times. So she genuinely likes Dawn from the jump. That is not in dispute. Yeah. She's not completely using using her, but it's a nice benefit and she's not, not mad. She's leaning into it. She's not mad at that being an option for her. So when she sees Dawn in the hallway and smiles at her, knowing that Christy's right there and Christy thinks it's for her and then sees her go off with another girl and, um, which not to jump on your train, like jealousy over potential feelings yeah i mean i know i know that's timeline wonkiness and you know sexuality questions are maybe a little bit more your territory but i mean that's sort of that feeling don't worry we're gonna get all into that (laughs) dawn and christy have not interacted enough that is accurate um for for me to start my um love triangle um that's fair hypothesis but oh just you wait (laughs) um yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So not to derail the conversation with But Oh, I just, I, I just fully went down a path in <laughs> like my brain. I, I'm already writing the dissertation. Uh, yeah. I'll I'm give you my to TED talk after the next book. Um, and especially at that age, uh, having that kind of, that adds a whole layer of complexity to have that level of jealousy mm-hmm. and not fully understand why it feels a little different. Right. Like, why, I, I, I empathize with that feeling of like... Um, understanding that everybody gets jealous, but understanding also that my jealousy is a little bit different mm-hmm. and not fully understanding what that meant or why that is. Or, um, you know, when that, that level of confusion yeah, bef- before you figure it all out. Um, so anyway, like I said, we're going to save all of that. There, but oh, don't worry. There's like 200 more books. Gaydar Breakdown about. is coming. Oh, that will make it into the um, Big Idea Hall of Fame. Oh, 100%. for sure. I'm easing y'all into this. Um, for sure. Um, so I guess another part of the conflict, and you sort of touched on this, was, you know, Marianne raising all of these issues that she has with her dad and how maybe it wouldn't have even come to that. Um, I do think it is interesting to 
talk a little bit about Marianne's dad and their relationship before this book. Yes. Um, just sort of as a general thing. And there is a um, update to the book that oh. I'm going to have to tell you about. I read it and I was like, there is no way that this this word is still in oh. the future version. Oh, boy. Um, but so I'm a little just, afraid. Are we allowed to say it out loud? Do um, we have to spell it? I, I, I'll, I will. We don't want a Gina Rodriguez I'm, situation. I'm not going to say it, but I will be very clear. I will, okay. I will tell you. I will tell Yikes. you. You will know the word based on my description of the word and how it is used in Whoa, context. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, Speaking of which, I was not trying to make light of the Gina Rodriguez situation. In fact, I'm really disappointed in, in her apology. Her non-apology? Not, yes. And then, like, I, doubling down on her non-apology. Yeah. I, I like her. I was, I'll be honest, I was totally uh, um, in the dark on some of her more problematic yeah. statements. Same. So this was an eye-opening moment for me. But, uh, like, come on. We we all know better than that. Um, you, you just don't do that. But, right. Well, yeah, it's like, you don't do that. Also, don't record yourself doing it. Also, don't, don't put it on it. the internet. Like, okay. Also, when people rightfully call you out, don't say, well, sorry, I, I you were song. offended. It's a song I've always liked and I've always sung it. Like, that's not but okay. You, that doesn't make it okay. Change. Right. Yeah. Like, no. Like, you sh- you're supposed to be smarter than this. And here's the thing is, she's got a lot of, um, of goodwill behind her. All it would have taken mm-hmm. was being like, this was incredibly insensitive of me. I made a really right. bad I was situation. not thinking and I did something dumb. And I am learning from it. Thank you guys for bringing this to my attention. Yeah. I, I wanted to forgive her. Mm-hmm. I, most of the time when somebody that I like screws up, all I want them right. to do is own it and then I'm fine Acknowledge with it and move, it and move on. I get frustrated when, they refuse, when people refuse to take responsibility right. and double down on their bullshit. So... Either way. Anyway, neither here nor there. Back on track. Anyway. I need to hear what this word is. Okay, yeah. We'll just start with the change. So this is um, from chapter two at the very beginning when, basically when Marianne's giving like the overview of her relationship with her dad. Yes. Um, so when he comes home, she's like making dinner and he asks her, um, yeah, is dinner ready? Yeah, speaking he expects her to make dinner, like that's a whole problematic. Yeah. The, there's a whole... The, we'll come back to that. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with, with Mr. Spire. Spear. What still I, don't know. It's still, it's still up in the air. Um, okay, please, so... If you know definitively, please write in yeah, for oh, us. Yes. I, I I don't remember. Or if you, like, have the audiobook now, just, like, Ooh, yeah, play it for us. Because <laughs> um, we haven't bothered to do that, and I am no. cer- certain, as we are leaving from here to go to the movies, I am certain by the time the first movie starts, I will fully forgotten that, oh, yeah, I meant to do that. Yes. Until the next time we're in here recording. And then we're like, wait, what's her what was his name again? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so he has just come home and asked her and if she started dinner, and she says yes, and then she explains that her dad doesn't like, yeah. So this is a quote of her explaining that okay um dad hates when people say yeah he also hates shut up hey gross the r word oh straight up whoa yeah uh well at least to his credit he's saying he doesn't like it but although this is the rest of it and a long list of other words that creep into my vocabulary whenever i'm not around him mary ann's using that word get it out of here yeah i was just i was reading it and i was like wait I can't even say anything now. Like, I, as I was reading this, I was just like, what the actual fuck? Like, I understand it was a different time and people said that word. People use that word as, like, a normal description of people that are mentally handicapped. Yeah. But, like, in a Babysitter's Club book? I know. And it's, you know what's most upsetting is that I was like, yep, that makes perfect sense. I can, I would have read that at 12 and not blinked. Right, because I, I mean, I remember being that age and knowing that you're not supposed to say that word and... Teachers telling kids, parents yeah. telling their kids, like, don't use that word. So I, like, I knew it was bad, but it's like the fact that it's in here, even just at all, let alone, I mean, yes, they are commenting on the fact that, like, you shouldn't be saying it. Of course, he also doesn't like people saying yeah, yeah or that's gross. A whole, yeah. So it's like, if you, if it was clumped in with, like, other things that are clearly or like not curse things, words, if it right. would have been like, I don't like yeah. you to curse. Or, like, and I think, does, is shut up in there. Shut up. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, we, shut up. We were not allowed to say shut exactly. up. Exactly. So, like, that, us, that at least sort of is in the same vein. Obviously not exactly, but, like, yeah. it's, it was just very, very weird. It was unsettling. It was yeah. so unsettling. I had to, like, stop reading for a little while. I was, I would just, like, put my book down. And I was like, I need to process before I can continue this. Yeah, wow. Was not taken out of it like that. I did, however, notice one major change that I was like, oh, I'm sure this is different. Oh, um, yes. When um, 
Marianne is going to um, what? Oh my god, their name again! I I have like a mental the block. Preziosos. Preziosos. <laughs> I was like the Pinocchios, uh, mm-hmm. Pinocchios. No, Preziosos. Preziosos. Um, one day. I'll, no, I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be like full. I'll go fully. Um, Ricky of the Year, Ross and Feffa. Just a different, different Garden pronunciation. <laughs> Rabble Rosa. Rowan Gardner. What do you call me? Um. <laughs> That's my dad's favorite. He loves that. Um, so anyway, the Preziosos, um, he, when she's going to babysit for them, when they're going to the game, which, by the way, Black fashion, cocktail co- dress. Yeah. We'll circle right back around to that. Yeah. But um, she says, here are our phone numbers, the gym, the doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I that that st- stopped me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, our phone numbers. See, and if it had just said, here's our car phone I would have totally bought that they were just a wealthy family. That I mean, the fact that she was wearing a black cocktail dress to a right, and they were going to like networking events and things. I would have totally and a tea. One of the things yeah. going to is like an afternoon tea. I fully would have been like, "Yep, nope, that yeah. was a thing." Like even in Sixteen Candles, right. um, Jake Ryan's dad had the car phone. Exactly. That would have made total sense. But it was our phones plural. Right. And then later on, um, when they do finally get a hold of him, they do still get a hold of them by paging through the gym. And the dad makes a note. Our phones were off. Yeah. Which also, I felt a little weird about because I was like, uh, don't make that change. Right. If you're going to make them turn their phones off because those parents would never have their phones off. Um, for a second. Right. Um, yeah, because they definitely, there was just the reference to the gym phone number and doctors and the regular emergency numbers. There was no phones. Phones. Um, so it was, it's clearly an attempt to like reckon with, yes, phones are a thing. Right. Um, so we've, we've mentioned that before and I don't know how much we've talked about it here on the podcast, but sort of seeing what the Babysitter's Club exists, Mm -hmm. um, if it were today. And we sort of came to the conclusion that yes, because they are 12. So they probably don't all have cell phones. And also the fact that it's not just, because parents, you know, when they come up with this idea, it's because Christy's mom is calling multiple people. Multiple people. So even if all of them had cell phones, which is unlikely since they're 12, yeah. even if they were all had cell phones, they would still have to call all the people. Yeah. So I guess the real question is, would there be like meetings or would it be like a group chat or... That sounds Or some more sort likely. of like app? Like, yeah. Would, would, the, would the Babysitter's Club be oh, an app? You know Christy would be all about that app oh, life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a little mini VC going in there like, <laughs> all right, boys, here's why you're going to invest in I mean, in she already app. loves like the sweatshirts and jeans look. Yeah. Very, so. She'd fit right in in Silicon Valley. Um, ugh, my girl. My girl. <laughs> I need to be kinder in my heart to Christy. Like, I found myself through this book, like, empathizing with all of them mm-hmm. um, at various times. Um, so, I like... I don't remember, obviously, from reading it in the past, but my instinct is um, I probably didn't think too much about the other characters uh, while reading this as a kid mm-hmm. because I I don't think as a kid you have as much of the capacity to, like, think outside of the narrative that's being presented to right. you. Right. So like, you're, you're, not, you're in the head of the, the narrator. Of the narrator. I was very much uh, – I was very susceptible to, like, whoever was telling the story, I was right. like, yep, that's that's who I... On track. I, like, I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. When, like, watching um, shows as kids, it was really hard to, like, root for couples because the minute um, another, like, they present another love interest, I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously that person. Right. Like, it was fully... <laughs> I think it was, it was Buffy and Dawson's Creek were the first times where I was like, oh, no, I don't like the person that they... Right. Are clearly this supposed is to be with. I, I, I ship somebody else. Yeah. And in Dawson's Creek, that paid off for us because oh, yeah. obviously. Because they realized that Dawson's kind of the worst and Pacey is awesome. awesome. Um, but um, I am, oh, I'm a Spike girl. Same. Um, so, uh, yes. Joanna Robinson, I see you. I feel oh, yeah. you. And Kristen Russo. Yeah, that's true. Problematic faves. Yes, problematic faves for sure. Um, but I always, in fact, I was al- always bonded um, in my own corner of the internet in which she did not know I existed. Yes. Um, that I was like, yes, I feel seen. Other people oh, yeah. are. Right. Are, I'm not alone. Are, are, it's not just me. Um, and it's, it's really funny. And so I have a lot more compassion for people who like have other problematic faves. And they're like, yeah, like trying to make excuses for people because I'm the queen of making excuses for, for bad behavior for Spike. But um, that's a whole nother. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother very special episode. That is accurate. We will get there. Yes. Um, I did, while we were talking about, uh, Marianne's dad, 
well, whiplash in terms of subject. Change, I mean, we we've been going back and yeah. forth. It's welcome all good. to our conversation. This this is um, all. You'll, you'll get. I was just to thinking it. we should probably at least like circle back to him a little bit because yeah. we did just sort of like jump off of him because he doesn't like a word that you shouldn't like. Yes. So good. Go, good job, Mr. Spire. Um, <laughs> um, I, I I noted this on the very first chapter in the very first page. Um, because this kind of broke my heart a little bit. Uh, when Marianne is introducing the members, you know, doing the, the typical spiel, she mm-hmm. talks about Christy, it's her best friend in the whole world, and since her mother died and when she was little, Mrs. Thomas is like my mother too. And then she notes, Christy's parents got divorced a few years ago and her dad walked out, but my father has not, and it's emphasized, mm-hmm. not been like a father to Christy. He's not warm and open like Mrs. Thomas. Yeah. And that's just... She also, about the Pikes... Who we we actually meet all eight yes. Pike children. We we sort of met Mallory and I think Claire previously or maybe Margot or I, both of them. One of them was at the the big brother yeah party. the big brother party. But he says about the Pikes. Oh God, where is it? I actually. <laughs> oh, that's right. They're, they're quite a brood, yeah. and they they raise their children liberally. Although I will say they're going to a cocktail party, so it's like, what kind of hippies are you? Guys? That's a, yes, and they're. Oh wait, no. I, I there's other things. They Claire runs around naked regularly, and she just puts clothes back on when she feels like it. No one's like, don't run around naked, which is great. That was a thing in our household. I'm not calling out any names, but I may have had I a mean, sibling who really who had set hours that they were allowed to take off their clothes. Oh boy. After that dinner. is quite liberal as well. Um, well, because it was a fight. It, the, right. the clothes were coming off, period. Yeah. So rather than fight with it, Which, like, it I became could, you get set nuking hours. You I can, could understand that as like, a, like that's a reasonable thing your parents said. Yeah. I feel like the Pikes are just like, she just likes to be naked. She does it when she wants, which, cool. Also, what, the at fact what point that, do you start saying, no. Well, but the thing is, though, as we get into the rest of the description of the Pike family, it's just sort of how they roll. The kids can stay up as late as they want. As long as they're in bed, they can do whatever they want. And also, no one has to eat any food they don't like. Yeah, oh, good luck with that. You know, like, that literally made me laugh out loud. I was just like, there's no chance that my mom was going to be like, oh, you don't want to eat what I made or what I picked up or whatever or what my dad made. Like, sure, I'll make you something else. Or... I mean, at least Christy and Marianne are like, you can make yourself a peanut butter sandwich if you yeah. don't want what we have. And they have two options. It's like, nobody gave us options when I was a child. It was like, no. this is what's for dinner, and you're going to eat it. Yeah. And it was solidly in the, like, clean your plate. Yeah, or, I was you like, it wasn't even like an eat it or don't. It was a eat it. Eat it. The end. It, everything period. on your plate is gone. The um, end. Oh, yeah. And so um, my dad is one of 13. And so his family, like... Discipline was a oh, major yeah. theme in that family, which it would have to be. That's a madhouse. Yeah. Um, and so he would, like, whenever we would complain, he would tell us, be like, you, I don't know how easy you have it compared to, like, we didn't speak until you were spoken to. Right. Like, you just sat there. You had to eat everything. You could be allergic. And, and I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> he did. He is the one who taught me to never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So, um, but he did. He was very, like, back in my day about right. it. And but now, it was actually accurate. It, it was actually accurate. <laughs> and um, and now I find myself thinking of that, too, when, when you know, um, I see people with kids who are like, whatever. Get, like, oh, I, oh, the other day we were, I was at a restaurant. This kid ordered, like, a, refused to get something off the kid's meal. So they ordered him an adult meal. He gets it. And then he's like, I don't actually want this. So they oh actually ordered him another meal. And I was like, oh, boy. This this. These poor parents, like, you need to set some boundaries yeah. or this kid's going to... Also, that poor kid, when he grows up, yeah. is going to be the worst. Which, this is not even fair. Maybe we should cut this out, because this is very mom-shamey of me, and that's not... Like, sometimes... I feel you... May, for all I know, they were having a rough day, and she was just trying to trying to get through, like, whatever. I will throw whatever you need at you. That's true. And power to you, lady. That's true. We don't know what the circumstances were. I would never want to shame, because there's a reason I do not want kids, and that's it. I don't want to deal with any of that. So, that anybody is who fair. is... Figuring it out and it takes shoving whatever the kid wants in their face, do it. I've been there as yeah. a babysitter, as a, as, yeah. Fair. Um, so I guess getting back to the book, Marianne Saves the Day is the name of the book. Oh, yeah. I would argue she saves the day in at least three ways. Ooh, I it's like just this. Like All three. Kind of a little, so like she saves the day in saving the babysitter's club. Yeah. You know, the the fight goes on for like a month. Yeah. And after, at Jamie's birthday party, she's like, this is insane. We are acting like assholes at a kid's birthday party. We're having a meeting. We're fixing this. Which, and, um, 
Hall of Fame theme alert. How mature is that? Exactly. To have that wherewithal. Like, none of the other ones were like, Yeah. They were all just, and they all were continuing to escalate the fight. So Marianne's like, we're doing this. We're we're getting over this. And none of them can even remember what they were fighting about, which is such a A, 12-year-old thing. And fully remembered that. So another way that she saves the day is with Jenny Prezioso, just to sort of touch on that really quickly. Oh, yeah. Jenny has a 104-degree fever. She's sick. Marianne can't reach anyone, including her parents, including Dawn's mom, including Marianne's dad. Her her mom is obviously unreachable. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> well, I was like, did, I, I, it took me a second to get where you were going with that. And I was like, huh? Oh, whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, so. They, they didn't hold a seance? No. no. They didn't. Mom, I'm sure they'll do that on the grave. That'll happen in one of the mysteries, I'm sure. But so Dawn, she has Dawn come over. So she at least has someone to help, which is, again, a very mature thing to do. They make the decision to call 911 because they're like, we can't take her to a hospital or a doctor. Let's see what they say. They say, we're sending an ambulance. We'll send, we'll take you to the hospital. Um. Marianne keeps her head, which then helps her save the day in the last way with her dad, where she proves that she is more mature. He just sort of sees everyone. He thinks he's in, she's in sixth grade, first of all. Yeah. Can't even remember he she's sounds, in seventh grade. This guy sounds like a winner, like even more so as an adult. Like as a kid, I was like, eh, he sucks. Yeah. But I didn't give him much he's thought. Pretty but I'm much like, the worst. This is – Also, this is total – it's not total side tangent. Um, He's an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's what I am. Um, He's – Clearly some sort of um, litigation. Yeah. But the the case that he loses is grand larceny, which is a criminal matter. Yeah, I noticed that too. And he talks about appealing, which if he's prosecuting a criminal matter, that's not a thing. Yeah. I, I, I was just You don't so, get a second shot at it. You don't right, get like to go. Double jeopardy is not, I screwed that right, up. I get to go again. I, and I, I say this as a transactional attorney. I, I don't go to court. I don't deal with anything criminal. So maybe I'm like missing something. I took like two criminal classes in law school. Maybe it's not even on the, the bar exam. I'm sure there's like something. All I know from law is what I got from John Grisham and Law and Order. So I, I Which about, is not much. Yeah. I, I about <laughs> have a Gray's level, Gray's Anatomy level of um, doctor understanding as right. I do of the law. Yeah. But so the nice thing about the way that Marianne saves the day with Jenny is then after the fact, which again, side note, Jenny has strep throat. And I was like, I understand that mm-hmm. to also tie it back to law. I got strep throat after I took the bar exam. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm, remember I'm a real adult and I have strep throat. I know yep. you can get strep throat at any age, but like I had it a ton as a kid. And then I was like, are you kidding me? I just freaking took the bar exam and now I have strep throat and I had to take the ethics exam on top of it with strep throat because I didn't manage to do that before I graduated because I was like, oh, I'll sign up. And then I didn't happen. Being a lawyer is hard, guys. Um, (laughs) uh, Speaking of that, not, it wasn't strep, but um, I knew a woman like firmly in her forties who got mono and was like, come on. Nobody that's outside of a teenager gets mono, but she had a uh, preteen kid and got it from them. And, um, and so everybody was making fun of her for getting the, the kissing disease Aww. firmly in your forties. Um, um, but so that yeah, she really does. Yeah, uh, this, but her dad finally, because he sees how mature she is and how well she handled that emergency with Jenny, he realizes that she's more mature than he thought, and probably, hopefully, will remember she's in seventh grade now. But so she uses that because earlier in the book she tries to raise the issues yeah. that she has in a mature way. She's thought about it. She gets flustered because her dad lost that case, and she eventually escalates and calls him her jailer, which he reacts very poorly to. But which at the end also, of the book, that is a little like. And she knew immediately was like well, she was like too far without backpedal. Yeah, she gets sent to her room. But Although, at the end of the book, she she does. She's very mature about it, and yes. she she raises out. she raises all of the concerns that she has. Whether it's um you know having the Humpty Dumpty and Alice in Wonderland art in her bedroom that's all pink and frilly when she would prefer navy and yellow, and maybe she's a Michigan fan. Ugh. Um. And then, Get it out of you know, here. raising raising the issue of babysitting later till nine thirty during the week and ten o'clock on weekends. Yeah, I love that she's not asking to extend her curfew to like go out with friends. Right. It's to babysit. Exactly. Um, and then also the clothes stuff, yeah. particularly her hair, because she's up until now she's always been wearing her hair in braids. And she says, "Could she runs upstairs? She unbraids her hair and she comes. She brushes it out so it looks nice. She comes out and she's like, could I maybe wear it like this sometimes?' Yeah, which." So, uh, I fully am getting semi-abusive vibes from him. Like, the way that she is, the the fact that she, like, has to make dinner, and, like, if dinner's not on the table, he gets upset. The way that he 
The fact that she was freaking out that she was going to be five minutes coming home from the Pikes. The fact that she knew not to bring up something to him because he lost a case. Like, I I never knew whether my parents had a bad day at work because that, I don't know, maybe that's not fair. But I don't remember being like, ooh, dad's in a bad mood. Yeah, but it's also a problem, not to, because I think it is not a great situation, but also it's only the two of them. It's basically always been the two of them. He doesn't know what he's doing. That's fair. It's all. It is also very different. Presumably, if if this were happening now, you know, if he was the child of like a one or two year old and his wife died, there's a lot more resources. Not that's to, fair. You know, like I, that's that's what I'm sort of feeling about this. Is like it's problematic, but like he is kind of doing the best. He he's can. trying to do what he can. He just doesn't know what he's doing, and he's not doing what he could to and make it better and he doesn't have a wife so in in weird ways he's sort of slotting her into that role which is right um actually it does feel a little abusive it feels very much like a um an alcohol a kid of an alcoholic being forced to right be grow the parent. up and be the parent um well and to sort of go back to a sad thing and this is back sort of when she's introducing her dad when they're eating dinner that first time um this is marianne's narration we ate in silence again, and it dawned on me that Dad and I sat across from each other at that table twice a day, each weekday, and three times a day on weekends. If a meal averaged half an hour, that meant we spent over 400 hours a year eating together, trying to make conversation, and we barely knew what to say to each other. He might as well have been a stranger I just happened to share food with 16 times a week. Oh, I, Like, that just, like, <laughs> reading her description of words that her dad doesn't like, and then that. That's I, like, had rough. to put that the book back down. Like, put the book back down again. That is dark. Who yeah. knew this shit was so dark? I know. Um, yeah, it, it's... Now I'm, like, more back on the, like, uh, I'm kind of pissed off at the way he acts as a parent. It's pretty and, terrible. So at the end of the book, they do sort of, like, um, Don and Mary Ann a, a sort of a very parent-trappy, like... <laughs> Which I love that they watch the parent parent trap, trap, and then it ends up that they parent trap their parents. Yes. So they, like, set them up together, and they are both clearly very excited to see each other. Mm -hmm. And we obviously don't know much about Dawn's mom yet. We we know we've gotten the the key characteristic of Dawn's mom that I always remember is that she can't find anything and yes. is like super disorganized like Flighty. keys in the fridge and yeah um <laughs> when when don when marianne goes over to don's house for the first time and her mom is in the middle of looking at photo album because she got distracted unpacking yeah and she's like oh would you girls like a snack and don is like is there any actual food and her mom is like there's actual grape jelly and an actual can of peaches yeah and it's like that's hilarious and also why are those the only two things you have in your house? I understand you just moved here like a week ago and you've been eating a lot of takeout, but like, why do you have anything? Yeah. Well, to be fair, my fridge right now is like Diet Coke and a Brita. But it's not like you just moved in and, and, and also, you, those are the two things that you acquired in your move into your house? That's true. Actually, a, a, a jar of jelly is the only real food in my fridge right now because I was making peanut butter and jelly. Um, and... I have to. I finished my HelloFresh box, so I need to go wah, shopping. Wah. Um, wow, sorry. Welcome to my to-do list. Um, <laughs> but you know, coming to think of it, um, Dawn has to very much like parent her mom, so right. she seems cooler and nicer. But that's just as much right. Dawn parenting her mom as Marianne is. So yeah, because um, there is the point when they do go over to Dawn's house for the first time. Her mom specifically says that Dawn's room is the only organized. Need, yeah, and I new place in their house and I was sort of like I totally forgot that that was like a characteristic of Dawn that she's very like organized yep. and well if you live in chaos as a kid that's right. how you cope and react exactly. like these are some really serious mental health issues that I never really right you just don't engage with before it. but it's going to be interesting to see how um they both clearly were excited to see each other and they made plans to go get dinner like mm-hmm. right away the like next there was day. No, yeah they're like oh oh hey let's go get dinner so there's clearly more to each other. Right. Like, I think Mr. Spire Spear in particular, um, I think we're going to see a lot more shades of him come out as, yes. um, as we do get to remember, he is a grief-stricken man. Like, he's been basically not dealing with the death of his wife. Because he had to raise his daughter and yeah. not even knowing what he's doing on that piece of it. So I think... Yeah, I you know my point about being more compassionate to Christy. I think we get to be a little bit more compassionate to to everybody. Yeah. Um and oh, that's what I was 
go figure, we got sidetracked. But that's what I was talking about <laughs> earlier about um, being able to read it on a slightly different level and being able to, um, I was struck this time as I was reading, um, really wanting to know more about what the other girls were going through. Right. Like Stacy in particular, because so much of the truth about Stacy was how she has to save the babysitter's club because these are her only friends and they are so important to her. Right. And then we get this whole book of her being at odds with them for a month and have no We have no idea, idea how Aside from, like, a couple sort of one-offs with, um, like, when Claudia writes a journal entry about what happened with Mimi. But even that, we sort of saw already her reaction. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's like, it's, I kind of want a, a super special about this month that they all went through. From each perspective. Or, ooh, somebody needs to write some fanfic. <laughs> um, but, it, it, like, in particular, it seemed almost out of character because Stacy was so willing to do literally anything to keep mm-hmm. the Babysitter's Club going. It was that important to her. Weeks ago, days ago, right? They even referenced that. Did you notice that in the front, in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. they reference that almost tore the club apart. Yeah, like, oh, that's the last time that will ever come up again. We've mentioned it once, and then we'll move right along. Right. Um, but Stacy, um, it seemed out of character that she wouldn't be doing everything in her power to right. like, even if she was still mad, and the fight in in order to so that they weren't mad at each other anymore. So right. she had her friends back because I I vividly remember being that age and like. Feeling like, am I really over it? No, I still think they're a jerk, but they're, I can't not have a friend right, I need to friends. sit with at lunch, so like, yeah. we got to just suck it up and move past it so that right. we can get over it. And and nobody seemed willing to do that, which, um, it'd be interesting to also to see this book if Dawn had never showed up. Right. How long Cla- uh, Marianne would have lasted all on her own. Yeah. Because at least Claudia had her sometimes boyfriend, and Trevor, Trevor Sanborn, Sanborn. And Stacey has her sometimes boyfriend, Pete Black. Yeah. And all the rest of them. And also Marianne calls Dorian Wallingford Dory. Yeah. Dory. Like, Dory. Dory. Ah, our favorite reoccurring character, Dorian <laughs> Wallingford. Just as an aside, no one gets a million dollars since she's back. Yes. <laughs> a call back to Lauren saying you would. That was not an accurate statement. No one gets a million dollars. Shoot. Um, see, this is why I got to keep attorney on hand. To, exactly. To rein in that's, my wild promises. That's what I'm here for. Um, um, so any other tie-ins to our conflict as a main theme or any sort of like miscellaneous thoughts that we, um, just as a sort of fashion aside, Alexander Kurtzman yes, is back he gets, he gets and he is wearing a three-piece suit, not just a jacket and a, a briefcase. He's wearing a three-piece suit and obeying rules is his hobby. Get it. Get I it. I was like, I love you, Alexander Kurtzman. Um, I think that, um, there's less fashion in this one because there's less... Because Marianne just isn't... Although she... So at the very beginning when she's introducing the girl, she does talk about Stacy a lot. Yeah, and that's true. I, which I thought was very interesting okay. because... I thought Marianne had a little bit of a crush on Stacy in this one. Marianne was very much yes, like... she's glamorous. She's sophisticated. Yeah. She can gorgeous. eat anything she wants without gating an ounce, which first of all, that's a problem. She always makes an impact or a statement. Yep. She a can, sensation. She always makes a sensation. She can eat whatever she wants without getting a zit and like fully baby by Lauren was like... Oh yeah, I feel that. Like, <laughs> like looking at like other girls and not being sure if I wanted to be them or be with them, and like not really know where to put where mm. to put that. Um, so I clocked that there too. <laughs> um, yes. So um, I did one of the fashion things. So she one of the things she says about Stacey is that she looks like a model, and then she says that she all, Marianne herself also looks like a model. A six-year-old model. And I was like, oh, girl. <laughs> oh, rough. She also refers to herself and Christy as babyish. So she's, like, internalized that shit. Yes. Oh, what? We never... She said it, it's nice to have someone to be babyish with. Which um, I was like, oh. Yeah. oh. Um, Marianne, starting with the... So a couple of miscellaneous things. Marianne starting with the snark about people right from the jump. Um, did you see... Did you clock how she referred to Janie? She corrects absolutely everything you say to her. Christy and I avoid her as much as possible. Who? Janine. What did I say? Janie. Janie. <laughs> okay. I am clearly the one. I'm turning into my mother. I, I yell at her all the time for getting names wrong. And sorry, Kimmy. Um, but yeah, when they say that they have to like run past her room. Yeah, because we hate her. Like, woof. Um, also, I feel like, and this is sort of over the all the four books that we've read so far, all these parents are going to cocktail parties. Did your yeah. parents go to cocktail parties? I feel no. like every other babysitting job is for Bunko, cocktail parties. Like, with the neighborhood people. The fanciest thing we did was a um, progressive dinner. That was, like, the big fancy Ooh. one. 
Yeah, I, I was like, there's so many cocktail parties. By the way, I just love that progressive dinners are adult nine holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, wasn't really a thing that we did. No, um, I, I kind of want to do one now. There's also a lot of tongue sticking out in this book. Yes. And I was, and it was like all of them. Like all the girls were doing that regularly. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, so we keep talking about how brutal the fight was. And we haven't really said some of the things they said to each other. So let's um, let's talk about some of the awful things that they say to each other. Um, so it starts, the start fight itself starts when Christy breaks her own rule. So Claudia has been known to hold on to jobs, right? Like, just, it, the, the rule is you're supposed to offer it. And Claudia um, has been known to accidentally get excited about a job and not offer it to people. Well, partially because it's her room. So yes. people, what She does it especially when people call when... Outside of club Outside hours. of the club yeah. hours. Because out of sight, out of mind, she yeah. doesn't think to offer the jobs because no one's there to take exactly. them, essentially. Um, but it's baby Lucy that makes everybody lose their damn minds and um, Mrs. Newton calls and, and Christy on the phone right in front of the club. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'll take it. Yep, no problem. I'll be there. And, oh and then boy. immediately starts like, oh, I hope I get to give her a bottle. Blah, yeah, and, blah. and they're like, um, squeeze me. Right, hello. Um, so one of the ones that I really love um, is that Stacy gets in on it right away. Like, Claudia's like, I don't believe this. You broke one of the rules and everyone jumps on me. I didn't do anything. And Stacy goes, this time. I was like, ooh, snarky. <laughs> Damn. Um, and then... And Claudia calls Stacy out about how much she talks about, about New, New York. York and we how know, great we know. It is. You're from New York. It's all you talk about. Well, because Stacy goes, "Is that a threat? Because if it is, I don't need you guys. Don't you know where I'm from?" I'm like, oh, yeah, boy. we know. But then Marianne is the one who really loses it. She jumps up and says, "No, you shut up." I shouted at Christy, and you too, Stacy. I don't care how tough you are or how special you think you are because of your dumb diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. She calls Stacy a conceited snob, Claudia a stuck-up job hog, and Kristen Amanda Thomas the biggest, bossiest know-it-all in the world. Yep, and I don't care if I ever see you again. Oof, that is... And then she runs out of the house. Yep. That's... And Christy and Stacy follow close on her heels after slamming multiple doors, each of them. But I, there was a little part of me that had to be like, get it, girl. You mm-hmm. have shown zero backbone yeah, to this exactly. point. So. Good for you for standing up for yourself. Maybe that was a little harsh. Yeah. Short. Like, you may have gone up, you know, jumped across the line a little bit, but we got there. Yeah. So, which again, she was not the only one jumping oh, across that fair, line. So fair, it, fair. it's not like she was acting unreasonably. And she wasn't really set off until Christy told her to shut up when she hadn't even really said anything. That's yet. true. So she was, she was mostly trying to quiet things down. And then Christy telling her to shut up was, was like, like, what the hell? Like, yeah. And that's true, too, uh, especially at that age that um, the people that you care about most, the people that you're closest with, are the ones who have the greatest ability to hurt you. Exactly. Um, All right. So with that being said, I think we covered most of our big ideas. Yes. Um, What's our Danny Tanner moral of the story? What's Danny sitting down, Michelle, to talk about? Um, Stand up for yourself, but don't do it in a way that hurts other people. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, Take charge. Right. Um, save the day, right? But do it with respect to other people. Like it, you outlined the three ways that Marianne really does save the day. All of those were because they did something. She did it the wrong way first, right? And it took learning the right way to do it. Exactly. So um, I think that is sort of the big moral of the story. Definitely. All right. So what's on board for next week? Um, so our next book is, or not next week, two weeks, two weeks. But our next episode about the next book, <laughs> which is uh, Dawn and the Impossible Three, because Dawn joins the Babysitters Club at the end of this book. Yes. So we've which got we sort of touched on, but not really. But so Dawn is now a member of the Babysitters Club. We don't yet know what her role will be, and we know Dawn in this is really sort of just sort of an avatar for Mary and. To make someone jealous. Like, we learned very Right. She has very light her. blonde hair and blue eyes. She's from California. She's from California. They didn't even touch on the fact that she's a vegetarian no, yet. No, didn't, haven't even talked about the tofu. Uh, yes. Which is... We'll, we'll get there. That's how I learned what tofu was. <laughs> well, considering that the first four books were supposed to sort of be a standalone thing until they decided to expand it. That, yeah. She, Mary, or Anna Martin probably didn't even really have a sense of who Dawn who was, Dawn was going to be. So she really was just sort of like, here's this new person from California. So here we are branching out. Here we are. Exciting. So book number five, 
being going to be told from our new character's point of view, which will probably help us learn a lot more about her. Um, so let me scroll down to that in my notes. Um, so Dawn's officially a member of the Babysitter's Club and wants to prove herself, I'm guessing. Um, I feel like the Impossible Three are not Jamie Newton's cousins. I think no. for some reason in my head it's the Barretts, which oh. we haven't met them. I distinctly remember there being a, a, three, a, three, oh, a, a threesome of children that are the Barretts. And I think one of them is named Buddy. Buddy Barrett, that's right. Buddy Barrett, like Margie, Marnie. Um, Margo? No, Margo's one of the Pikes. Margo is But one so of I don't remember why they're particularly impossible or if, what the big, like, catalyst is for there being an issue, but I do remember that the Barretts are, like, difficult. Gotcha. So Dawn probably has to babysit for them. She wants to prove herself, and then on top of that, the Barretts are difficult, and she has to, like, deal with that and deal with being a new member because I'm sure that even though they asked her to join the Babysitter's Club, things aren't going to be perfect. No. There's still going to be that jealousy, especially – for Christy. Christy and Dawn. So that was sort of my prediction. I thought maybe um, Christy intentionally sets up Dawn oh. with a difficult client as a way to be like, okay, we're going to let you in, but you got to prove yourself. Yeah. Um, I had totally forgotten about the Barretts. I was thinking um, the Pike triplets. Oh. Um, because three, and they, we were just introduced to the yeah. fact that there are triplets in this book. So um, that's sort of what I went to. But yeah, I thought of it the same. I... My prediction is that Christy is sort of setting Dawn up for a little bit of failure. Yeah. Amazing. She finds a way to come out on top looking yeah. the best. And Christy realizes that um, she's a pretty great babysitter. Right. After she all. knows what she's doing. Exactly. So, um, okay. So, any final club business? Uh, well, let's remind people uh, what to do when they're done listening to us rate, <laughs> review, subscribe. Reach out to us at all the places. Where are the places? Um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at GenerationBSC, and you can email us at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned.